Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go to headlines. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines. Hunter Brown, pitcher for the Astros, who uh, Sean has just been besides himself with worry as of late. Because he, in his first couple appearances in spring training, just did not have control. Was walking a lot of a, a lot of guys on Saturday. Was it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. It was just yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Three innings pitched, zero hits, zero runs, uh, zero bases on balls, three strikeouts. Hunter Brown looking much more like a professional pitcher uh, and a potential worthy of a fifth uh, a fifth starter on Sunday. Yeah, and by the way, the Sean that's concerned and that has been yeah. is not me. That's Pendergast. He's been concerned. I have not been concerned about Hunter Brown. I, I, I said just be patient. Like, it's too early. Uh, it's still, you know, just early March. Don't yeah. worry about it because you never know what these guys are working on. Like, hey, you know what? Is Hunter Brown healthy? Like, is his body feeling good? Uh, that's all I'm really worried about at this point in time because, albeit a small sample size last year, the guy was phenomenal. We know the stuff that he has. and yeah, so, You know what? It, it, it's a very good point because, for one, like this happens every year in spring training. Because Okay, everybody knows not to pay attention to the veterans in NBA preseason, the veterans in NBA or NFL preseason. In baseball... Even with the veterans, sometimes if they're struggling as pitchers, you know they're working on stuff, but it's because the numbers are so hard and fast, yeah. <laughs> and because they're going against batters that are that are going to be you know giving their best. Like a batter isn't like you know working on something typically that's so strange that it's going to screw them up completely. Yeah, um, that I, I can see why it seeps in. But you're right. It, you can't think of Hunter Brown obviously as a true veteran, but he is still working on the little things that guys work yeah, on in sure. spring training. I just get nervous because until you you know, until you kind of earn that leeway, you you don't know for sure. Oh yeah, and he hadn't he hadn't earned that leeway. Yeah. But I mean, you know, from a baseball standpoint, I mean, we're consumed for 162 games with statistics. In the postseason, we're consuming ourselves with st- statistics. And in the offseason, you're analyzing these guys thinking about like, "Oh man, projecting what this young guy could do or this that or the other player could do in spring training, you're asked to just turn that off and it doesn't yeah. happen. So I get why people are concerned. Um, I also think a lot of the concern is innate. Any off season in which you lose one of the best 
players in all of baseball like the Astros did this year, now that they don't have Justin Verlander in the uniform anymore, he's with the New York Mets, Like, there's that added concern because it's compounded by the fact that, hey, Lance McCullers you know, didn't even get two hours into spring training before he aggravated a forearm uh, issue, and so the watch... You know, is on with Lance and Hunter Brown has a horrible, you know, first outing or two in spring. So the watch is on with him. And so it's just it, it, it's the same thing. It's a vicious cycle. It repeats itself almost every spring. I'm not concerned about it. I'm more encouraged because I want to see the build up. And so it's good to see Brown starting maybe to put things together. So I'm looking yeah. forward to his next outing. Right, right. Yeah. And then like we the other thing that happens in spring training is you start to judge starting pitchers the way you do relievers which is like one bad inning for yeah, one exactly. bad inning for a reliever and all of a sudden the guy's a bum because they don't have any you know they don't have any uh, other way to make up for it until they go another few outings yeah. uh likewise with starting pitchers in spring training you see them for two innings and oh my gosh they were bad for two innings this must be the end of the world uh the other good news on the Astros front there's actually a couple good items. All of these are revolving around pitching. Lance McCullers resumed a throwing program on Saturday, nearly a month after straining a muscle in his arm. He still won't be ready for spring training or for the opening day, but at the very least, um, there's progress there. The other thing is we head over to the World Baseball Classic. Um, one scary moment. This happened this this weekend when Hector Neris uh, basically looked like he tried to murder Jose Altuve. <laughs> I, Altuve hit the dirt, like and was laying on his back and, and having fun with it. Like Altuve's having a good time over there, but then they go back to Neris, and I don't. Maybe I missed it, but like Neris was not having any fun with it at all. I like Neris was like laser focused, had an angry look on his face. I don't know. I I got a little bit nervous about. Either nearest, does he have some secret vendetta against uh, against Jose Altuve? Does he secretly hate him? I, I need <laughs> Altuve was having a blast with it. He wasn't having any issues. Nearest should be having all the fun in the world too, because he just got paid this off season. So yeah. at his age, by the way, um, that pitch was like right between the hands and the face of Altuve. And my favorite reaction amongst anybody was Dusty Baker. When he was asked about the instance, did he watch it? Did he see it? And he was like, yeah, I watched it. And he was like, oh, my Lord. But I ended up, the TV was watching me, alluding that he had fallen asleep. But he was freaking out for a second, too, watching the Neris and Altuve battle. So um, the other interesting thing that happened in the World Baseball Classic, or one of the interesting things, uh, involved Luis Garcia and Jeremy Pena. Pena arrived at the plate, I'm reading this from the Chronicle, with two runners on base in a two-run game eyeing the type of swing that had made him famous a few short months earlier during Houston's championship run. He could not deliver. Garcia struck out his Astros teammate with four pitches and an at-bat bookended by swinging strikes on sliders, yeah. which I, I guess if we're going to be concerned about anything, let's be a little bit concerned about the slider rearing its ugly head against Pena again. Um, <laughs> and basically, uh, Garcia, somebody asked him if was was the plan to attack Pena with sliders and Garcia laughed and I'm like yeah uh, I was totally going to attack him with <laughs> of sliders. Course. Um but then he, Garcia was really good after that. Six consecutive batters retired across the next two innings. Uh had an impressive three strikeout sixth inning. In total he threw 56 pitches, 12 whiffs on 26 swings. So Garcia who I was wringing my hands over because of the change in his windup because of them enforcing the rules more strictly. People get confused. This wasn't actually a pitch clock issue, but it was part of them 
enforcing all of the rules more strictly. Now it was a bulk issue. Block. It was a yeah. bulk issue. Well, it was a, yeah, it's it's an illegal. Like if he were to use his old windup, it wouldn't be called a balk. It would be called an illegal pitch um, because yeah, he doesn't do go, it. A balk is with runners on base. Mm-hmm. So regardless, um, they're just being more. And he's been awesome since he had to change it. If anything, and people have made this well, argument that like the less motion, the better. Generally, the more motion you have in anything, either your swing, your windup, anything, there's more things that can screw up. So in having some simplicity there, maybe it ends up being better for him. I don't know how long he's been doing that, you know, but. It's probably been for a while, and I always worry about changing a player's, you know, habit at the plate or on the mound. It's their rhythm. It's kind of what they're doing. That's that mechanism that just kind of gets them ready. But, you know, what you noticed with Garcia is that he's just kept that last motion, and then he pitches. So it's almost like he's kind of done this thing in his mind where it's like, okay, that's that's my reset. That's my start or whatever. And so it's worked out. I mean, the guys looked really, really good this spring. I think the, um, you know, like when he pitches out of the stretch, he doesn't do that, obviously. And that was the biggest thing that made me confident about it was like, all right, he's fine out of the stretch. So to, to reduce all of that motion, it might be something he really likes, but it's not a complete necessity. And it might end up, yeah, ultimately being the silver lining that, hey, he doesn't have to worry about it at all. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing about Altuve, though, too, is, um, Watching him in his first at bat at the World Baseball Classic, he was he was taking a sweet time. You know, there was no he's not trying to speed up his process for uh, for the pitch clock, you know, and get it grooved in. That part makes me a little bit nervous about the fact that he's just going to come back from the World Baseball Classic and like have to get back into looking kind of uncomfortable, yeah. and hurried, hurriedly adjust his wrist straps, and then get back up to play. I told you this the other day. I felt like it was foolish for guys not to be able to work, not working on things in the WBC that they should. Altuve particularly, Garcia, another guy. I mean, there's a lot of examples, but... Oh, real quick. Sorry, I got to get this out. You're listening to KILT and KILT HD2 and Odyssey Station. Go ahead, John. I I was just going to say, I feel like it was the last World Baseball Classic. There was a really good quote from Yadier Molina. And Molina was asked about the importance of the WBC. And he was like, you know what? Um, Winning this is more important or more meaningful than winning a World Series. And a lot of people were like, whoa, kind of taken back by that. And, you know, you hear it made its circulation again, you know, ahead of the WBC starting this year. But I thought about that in relation to what you just said about Altuve. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to work on that later. Like, this is really important to me, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do that makes me feel the most comfortable to do this now. I can work on that later. I don't know how that makes you feel. I mean, is he looking at it like, "Eh, you know what? We got 162 of those, and we're limited in, you know, the amount of games that we can actually represent our country in this instance. Yeah. I don't, um, I, I don't know. I, (laughs) that, it's not. I'm not overly nervous just because it's baseball and things tend to resolve themselves. Uh, the biggest thing with Altuve is that, yeah, I think playing for Venezuela probably might mean even more to him now, even though he talked about how he dreamed about doing it as a kid. It probably means a lot more to him now that he's seen, uh, you know, that he's uh, outside of the city of Houston, he's unfairly despised by a lot of people in America, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of baseball fans. So 
Uh, it probably has that much more emotional importance, and I can't begrudge him for that. I, and I think he's he's going to live in Venezuela when he's done playing. He's still a national hero there in a lot of regards, so I get that. I I wish the World Baseball Classic were somehow handled differently, but I guess it's not like you can ask these guys to go play baseball in March, uh, or I mean in um, you know in January or February. So I guess if you're going to have the event, there's no way around it. What do you mean? It. Like you wish it was uh, like made more I wish popular? It <laughs> I wish I wish. Like, cause there's, you, you know, in 2017, Bregman did it, and Jim Leland, the manager, gave Bregman, like, two at-bats the entire time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, when you're supposed to be getting ready, and, you know, and Bregman, as, uh, as the drop says, he's a notoriously slow starter. And it, it's one of those things where, I guess, Major League Baseball likes it. They think it's good for growing the sport, so they're going to do it. But you're also taking really important baseball players to your own team, to the Astros, and sending them off to play this year, especially a slightly different version of baseball. Yes. A version of baseball that they're going to have to, again, make another transition into adjusting to the new one. Yeah, good point. Um, other in the news, the other big headlines uh, in the NFL, real quick, because most of you know this already, Jalen Ramsey traded from the Rams to the Miami Dolphins this weekend for a third-round pick and a formerly third-round pick uh, tight end. Uh, I can't even think of the guy's name right now. Um, and Jalen Ramsey goes to join Vic Fangio, who's now the defensive coordinator uh, for the Dolphins. The Rams seem to be in complete reset mode right now. I don't know what this means for Sean McVay moving forward, but the team that once notoriously bragged about not giving a damn about draft picks uh, is trying to rapidly accumulate draft picks. You know, I was trying to think about the correlation between the Rams situation. You know, they're obviously in uh, cap hell and trying to get out of it, and they're in a rebuild mode. But you also look at the other storyline with McVay, who, what, for like two days, was like, ah, I don't know if I want to coach anymore. It's like, hey, guys, go look for some other jobs. And then he made the decision, like, yeah, I do want to coach. And I want to coach for a long time. Like, if that has anything to do with one another, like, if the Rams told him, like, hey, you know, we want you to be our guy, but it's going to be some lean years here for the next two. And we need you to kind of stay and, 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 and bring us along, you know, get us back to the top, but just go through this process with us. Maybe it was a comfort thing for McVay, like, he didn't want to get fired during this whole process, yeah. and that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. But you never know because I don't know what his contract looks like. It just you, you don't want to make that commitment unless you know that the team has made the commitment to you, and that yeah. almost feels like the two. There's a correlation there. So uh, the other Robert Woods signed on Friday. A lot of this happened um, Friday after people were checked out for the weekend, and then free agency begins on Wednesday, but the legal tampering period begins at 11 a.m. today where a lot of these verbally agreed-upon deals start to filter in very, very quickly. I hope there's a couple that are like at 11.02 a.m. So uh, <laughs> you, you know for sure that there is all kinds of illegal tampering going on before the legal tampering. It does seem like, it seems like teams have gotten more careful about the optics of things, maybe with direction from the commissioner's office on some of this stuff. I think like teams were genuinely taking their time hiring this year uh, because they wanted to be sure it just didn't look like they were crossing off boxes on the Rooney Rule. Um, or they, they, so they're they're being very careful. The Texans tried to win their final game of the season instead of outright tanking because the <laughs> Dolphins had just got pinched uh, for among other things being accused of tanking. So 
that's uh, that I, I look forward to today, though. I think there will be some more clarity at the end of today. Aaron Rodgers is the that's the saga that keeps getting stretched out, and I find myself getting nervous on behalf of Jets fans, like whether it works out with Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets or not. Uh, this is Aaron Rodgers talking to Brandon Marshall on I Am Athlete. It looks like he, Brandon Marshall caught up with Aaron Rodgers after some kind of a flag football game um, or something that, that Aaron Rodgers was coaching. This is uh, just because this has been a lot of what Aaron Rodgers has been talking about. This is him talking about the benefits of plant medicine, which is, uh, you know, ayahuasca and various other probably psychedelics that Aaron Rodgers has been taking over the last few years and advocating. Uh, that's, uh, that's how they start off catching up. And I just really... You know, was introspective years ago about how I want to show up in the world, and I did a number of different things. But plant medicine has allowed me to open up some of those uh, dimensions in myself that make me feel more present, more love for myself, more love for my people, my teammates. Yeah. So um, that yeah. part, like, I feel like we have to frame that there because. Sean, I don't know if you know about my philosophy about quarterbacks. It's that they, they should lack perspective on life. Um, same thing with head coaches. I don't want them to have too much perspective on life. In, the rare, in some rare situations, it works out. But I, I want them to have an unrealistically high importance attached to succeeding extremely at football. And I think Aaron Rodgers has gone through a transformation in the last few years where I think it's been awesome for him personally – but I worry that sometimes, like, when he goes on at length about how important it is to have, like, guys like Mercedes Lewis or Randall Cobb, you know, people that he loves around him playing football, like, what does that mean for him being cool with going to the Jets? Are the Jets going to trade for Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb and Mercedes Lewis and mm. all these other guys? And not to mention that yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, because he's talking about love all the time, which is awesome. Except I don't know if that's the best thing for the New York Jets right now. When you talk about all of the things that Rodgers does, like, you know, there's another clip where he's discussing, like, not hearing the outside noise, not letting it affect yeah. him. If you're talking about that, that means it used to affect you. Or right. it still does, and you're just trying to sell the fact, you know, that it doesn't anymore. Because you don't want to hear any more noise. Like, if you're talking about all these things, that means at one point in time, at the very least, you used to be affected by it. And, you know, we know the backstory with Aaron Rodgers in regards to his family issues, the problems that he's had with his significant other over the years. There have been a few of those. Um, and then, obviously, like his relationship with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Like, all of these things have been issues. And if he needed, if he felt like I need to smoke plants and I need to go to darkness retreats to like figure all this stuff out and go to all these extremes, at one point in time, dude, he was in a really, really bad place. And playing awesome football. And playing awesome football. <laughs> That's where I don't look at look at Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, awful home lives. You can't. It's just it comes with the territory. Do you want greatness or do you want to be but happy what stage? in the, in the at, few remaining years you have at on what this stage, earth? though? I mean, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers at what? How old is Aaron now? Like 39? He's going to be 40 this He's going to be 40. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, yeah, but okay, because you're saying something, though, like he used to be that way. Presumably, though, because I'm saying this half tongue in cheek about the perspective thing. Um, like, presumably, okay, let's play the clip where he talks about caring what people think, because I honestly, I think he, he actually sounded pretty philosophical about this. I think we all really care about how we're viewed. 
You know, so it's not that we don't care about what people say, it's which people. Right. The which people do I really care about what they say? It's the people in my inner circle. It's the people I love and care about. Those opinions I really, really care about. And the other ones, they honestly don't really matter because they have nothing to do with me. And I'm at peace about that. And, and the rest is just, is just noise. So I think there, like, he, he kind of nods to it earlier, too, that I think, yeah, in the past it really did bother him and that it's a constant process of trying to make it so it doesn't bother you. But that and that's hard to do. But I do feel like I think, like, uh, the last couple years, he was that super annoying new convert, you know, that yeah. feels a sense of superiority. I was reading about some of um, – I've, I've read a lot about some of what Aaron Rodgers is doing. And, um, you know, one thing with, like, psychedelic experiences, one of the things they always talk about is um, ego death. Like, basically – Killing your sense of self so that you feel one with everything else and that you can kind of obliterate the, that, that, that ego or that sense of self in a good way. But what happens sometimes, just like, you know, sometimes when people are newly saved in, in religion, um, what happens sometimes with psychedelics is that you basically obliterate your ego to the point where it vastly inflates your ego. Like you're just because then you feel superior to everybody. And for like for the last couple of years, Aaron Rodgers was acting like he was superior to everybody. Yes. He might be at that point now where he's like, oh, okay, uh, uh, I get it. Like it's everything. You just got to take it as it comes and I'll be all right with it. Uh, but I, but That's again, I don't. Point. Yeah. So, um, but this is Brandon Marshall pressed and pressed and pressed him for an answer on where he was going to go, if he was going to go to New York, and when it was going to happen. This is ultimately how Aaron Rodgers responded. Stay tuned. Stay tuned? How Stay long tuned. we got to wait? Well, I think it won't be long. There's a time limit for Can all Can I this. break the news? Especially if it's the Jets, because I'm like, I feel like I'm an all-time Jet. That's, that's just fair, right? The Jet can break the news? You're an all-time Jet? Yeah, how many years were you there? Check numbers. Yeah, I like okay. That's that's what <laughs> brought me back around on Aaron Rodgers. That's <laughs> when Brandon Marshall described him as himself as an all-time Jet, and Rodgers was like, "You're an all-time Jet." Um, <laughs> that should be that's making headlines somewhere else. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I bet I bet people in New York are. Uh, I'll have to check the numbers and see exactly where he is because uh, he was in. Brandon Marshall was with the Jets for two seasons. I think you can't. You're not allowed to be all-time anywhere. Now, uh, now, one thing that Aaron Rodgers did say there it was interesting. Brandon Marshall had said that, uh, hey, you could be an all-time Jet. And Aaron Rodgers said something to the akin of, like, well, after, with only just one season. So, like, I don't, you know, like, he might be thinking of it that way, that, like, okay, I've got one more year left in me. I'll go and see what happens with the New York Jets, and, and that'll be it. I, because Marshall said what he'd said, and Marshall was only there for two years in yeah. New York. Yeah. I think that was maybe more of a nod to, like, well, if I, like, what I, if it's I, I can, only one season? Yeah, I can be an all-time Jet, too, for just one year. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I don't think he's putting a cap on his career, but he was more or less, like, jabbing back at Marshall. Like, if you're going to call yourself an all-time Jet after just two years there, then I can call myself an all-time Jet after just one year there. Yeah. Brandon Marshall is 27th on the list of all-time Jets receiving uh, receptions. <laughs> Let's look at touchdowns. Let's see if he's anywhere close. No, he's not even close. Uh, he's talking about himself like he's Don Maynard or something. <laughs> well, that one year, his first year in New York in 15, he led the league in touchdowns with 14. So all time Oh, so in- he had one extremely prolific year, yeah. yeah. And then one off year. So, oh, you know what? 
Yeah, so I guess maybe uh, Rodgers was actually being more, way more on the nose about Marshall. That basically saying, like, oh, after one season, you had one good season with the Jets. Um, that, yeah. That's what uh, I yeah, think. I don't know, man. I, I think that I, I just get nervous for the Jets because um, I just couldn't. I would be super intrigued in watching Aaron Rodgers go to the Jets, but it's going to be all or nothing. It's either going to be a really cool story um, or – it's going to be, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a disaster. Like, you leveraged whatever you did to bring in this guy, pay him $50 million, um, set the timeline back on everybody after you already whiffed on Zach Wilson, and then that'll be it. But It would just be a terrible situation for Robert Sala, who I'm a fan of. You know, I want to see him succeed. Um, there's a small part of me, like, I don't really care. But the Jets have been largely irrelevant for, you know, the better part of a decade, maybe longer, right? It's yeah. been, what, since 2010? that they'd made the playoffs. Um, I want to see Salah succeed and to tie himself to Rodgers in this weird, quirky, just intriguing situation. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. Aaron Rodgers. And to see it possibly fail, it would just be a bad, bad deal for Salah, and who knows what that would mean for his career trajectory. So there is a lot of intrigue at the top of the draft, but even more so now with the Panthers trading up to number one overall. Sean and I got to talking about the oddity that is Anthony Richardson this year in the draft, uh, rocketing up the way he has after the combine as a quarterback. Uh, We want to figure out how are we going to power rank these guys based on all of the stuff that we're not supposed to care about, but we really, really, really do. That's coming up next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. So, you know, Landry Locker, I used to be skeptical of this, but he does a really good job of being a podium critic. 
especially with quarterbacks and coaches. I feel like in a lot of positions it shouldn't matter how good a guy is at the podium. But at quarterback, it kind of matters. That's a position where you're front-facing. Leadership, like conventional leadership qualities do matter. You're the face of an organization. There's going to be times where you have to answer really, really hard questions. Like You have to talk to the media every single week, no matter how bad you are. So I believe it does matter. But there are other things too. Sean and I have talked about the face grade. You and I talked about it at the end of the week. Apparently Mm -hmm. some teams have face grades on quarterbacks, which scares the crap out of me. Because I got to tell you, as a group of people, football scouts, not the most... um, socially adept group necessarily <laughs> so that the fact that these guys are judging people's personality traits by their faces scares the hell it out would of me scare me for one major reason if you've gone as far as to grade a guy's face yeah that tells me you think you suck at really evaluating what the guy should be doing for you on a football field All like the other just stuff. Stick yeah to you're the right football. Yeah, like what? Like what percentage? What percentage of the grade do you make the face grade? Right. I, like, I feel like unless a guy's got a really punchable face, like man, I just do not like this guy. Then like those Murdochs on the Murdoch ah. murder, like every single one of those guys, punchable face. Oh my! All of them. Oh, I was thinking the same thing. I just have you seen the documentary? By the way, I saw the Netflix one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And there's got to be more to come because that ended just with uh, if, the older son or the younger son, I guess his issues, but. No, I thought the same thing with every single one of those. Yeah, Buster Murdoch, like I punch uh, them all. Buster Murdoch shows up at the at the podium. The is as a, as a, a draft prospect quarterback. No way, no way in hell. I'm punching has, him in the face. That's a good question for maybe this topic that we're about to discuss. Who has the most punchable face amongst the top four quarterback prospects? Right, I think that's so, an easy okay. one, and you might These not like the, it. We'll grade. We'll get the top prospect based on face grade, podium grade, forty time. Pure arm strength, nothing else, and uh, and my favorite criterion, which is can a guy be a pool hall hustler, which uh, I feel is like the hallmark of actually genuine great quarterbacks. Every single one of them could be a pool hall hustler if he had to. Uh, face grade, a lot of people are going to say Will Levis here because he's got a little bit of like almost like a you know Captain America vibe or something to him. To me, he's almost a little too perfect looking for that part like the way the the way they make the 80s movie villain look like the good looking blonde kid like he's a bastard that kid I don't <laughs> like him it looks like he's had it too easy in life his mom went to Yale so I assume he's like a frilly rich kid that's spoiled I've got no basis for that that's not yeah. fair but I still don't like it for face grade I go with Bryce Young at the top just because he he looks like just the most mature almost fatherly type of guy out of the four. I can't disagree with anything you just said there. Uh, yeah. In terms of face grade, I'll, I'll do you one better. Um, C.J. Stroud has the most punchable face amongst the four. I, I oh, think oh yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, he's very low on the face grade. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's he, almost unanimous. Yeah, and, you know, he might be one of the lowest just outside of the quarterbacks, like amongst all top prospects like you'd mate just want to punch him because he just looks like a sourpuss most of the time <laughs> i don't know if it's a sour to me it's not a sourpuss he just looks worried like it doesn't command confidence to me it lo- yeah. he looks terrified all the time yeah yeah that's, yeah that's big kids like the face that you carry when you're in conversation and everything 
Uh, you got to be careful. Like I have this like wrinkle, Sean, on, on my brow that a lot of times makes it look like I'm angry as hell. Same. Uh, I got the same thing. You see this yeah. vein popping out of my head right now? <laughs> yeah, and I got this yeah. scar on my brow. Oh, I, look, I, I look you were pissed just mad off all the time. The time. <laughs> yeah. So you got to be really like I'm extra. If I'm listening to somebody, I try to without looking crazy. I try to you know have my eyes open and smile a lot and everything. Um, okay. Podium grade from the combine. How did these guys fare? And how do you feel about them? I'll let you go first. Uh, I absolutely hated, despised C.J. Stroud's uh, Q&A <laughs> sessions. Like, He's I, not faring well in this. Okay. No, and I hate it because that might be who the Texans, you know, were kind of left with or who they want ultimately. I, you don't yeah. know. Like, if you believe, you know, Vegas and, you know, all these reports, it's who the Panthers want. And I would love that. Please, Panthers, take C.J. Stroud and leave us Bryce Young. Please. I, I, I think... I'm most sold on Anthony Richardson's q and And I told you this earlier. I think out of the four, Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson was the one guy that stood head and shoulders above the rest in regards to him just being himself. He said, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show out. I know I'm a beast, and I'm just going to let it fly. And he yeah. did. He was awesome. And that's what came through in all of his interviews that – it wasn't robotic. It wasn't. It didn't sound planned. It didn't sound rehearsed. It just said, hey, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. That's where I'm – this will be the one, I think maybe the only one that you and I are split on. Um, I The thing that concerned me about him at the podium, if it was just one instance, it wouldn't have bothered me too much. I would have figured, like, okay, I'm being hypercritical. There are a few instances there where I feel like he betrayed his actual thoughts on something or his feelings about something. One was when he said – I can't catch every ball, which, you know, that's what, like, Giselle famously said after the Tom Brady Super Bowl loss, where you, you hear it and you're like, well, okay, lady, just back off a little bit. Um, it's not really the right attitude we look for in American football. Like, all right, you're a little Giselle-like there if you're blaming your receivers, at least publicly. And, and he backed that <laughs> off. The other was he said that some people say that I'm inaccurate, I'm like, no, you're inaccurate. You got to work on it. You know, like, and he, he, he dialed that back. And then the third thing, too, was he almost expressed a little skepticism about the need for him to learn how to throw with more touch. So I, I worry if a guy, if a guy doesn't recognize and understand the improvement he needs to make, including if you are already considered awesome. Like if Bryce Young got up there and was like, well, people say that I need to work on this, but I'm not sure I really buy it. Like, I don't know, man. Like the, the great ones are always working to improve this stuff. So that's where I would say for me, even though it was boring, I would still put Bryce Young at the top of the podium grade. You would put Anthony Richards. Yeah, I'd put, you know, you bring up really good points. It, just the only two that I think you could kind of excuse away is like the touch, the finesse type, you know, yeah. throws that he kind of pushed back on and, you know, uh, the accuracy or him being inaccurate. I think that's maybe where he battled with himself in that in those few milliseconds where he was like, you know what, like here's the textbook answer, but here's how I really feel. And he kind of got caught in between. Like I didn't really understand, like I can't catch every ball kind of thing. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't even hear that part. So I can't really – I can't offer an excuse to him there. But, I mean – I wouldn't argue with you on Bryce Young. Bryce is the most put together, uh, top to bottom. 
Right, but it's also boring. You know, like it doesn't necessarily show any charisma, but what are you going to do? Um, okay, this, this, this next one's easy because I just wrote 40 time. Because 40 time, all these scouts will tell is. you like, well, we don't even care about 40 time. And then behind the scenes, like, oh, my God, the 40 time. Um, <laughs> let's just look at it. If it's extreme, they look at it. Uh, I think with, if, if we were to expand that out to just physical traits in general, like athletic traits, not the actual arm talent or anything, but athletic traits, Richardson's head and shoulders above these guys, including over Will Levis, who's a really good athlete. If you were, I mean, you can tell me, like, what is it about the 40 time specifically, you know, that should intrigue, not does intrigue. I mean, everybody right. looks at the time, everybody looks how fast, but what should intrigue us? What, what should be the most important thing about the 40? For Anthony Richardson, you know what I would say is the fact that he actually didn't even run a technically sound 40. You look at a lot of these guys, like like Davis Mills supposedly ran a 4-5 something, and then you watch him play football, and you're like, okay, uh, whatever. Like He's not a 4-5 <laughs> guy. Means but nothing. these guys, they take so much. They're getting so much instruction from track coaches that – like they, they, you can shave multiple tenths of a second off your 40 by running like a sprinter, you know, by doing all the things they do, by having a super efficient start, by having an efficient stride, you know, counting exactly how many strides you, t- strides you take during the 40 and getting it down to just a, a science. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how fast you are. With Richardson, he kind of like ran an elliptical path. He didn't, um, <laughs> uh, same thing with the the safety. Kyle Hamilton was the same way last year. He ran a bad forty, but you watched it and you're like, oh wow, he ran like a bad forty. Like he ran diagonally, like, like all these yeah. things. So when you see that with Hamilton, it was a little bit of an excuse for why he didn't run a good forty. With Richardson, what I would say is, all right, he ran a faster forty than CD Lamb, a four four four, but it actually probably could have been faster than that. He's just that raw. Yeah. So that kind of shows just how athletic and explosive he is. And then a lot of the other combine numbers were um, were above and beyond anything we've seen from quarterbacks. I, Fastest 40 since uh, Matt, or fat, highest vertical since Matt Jones, who of course wasn't even a quarterback in the NFL, uh, yeah. which actually makes me a little bit nervous. I don't, wonder, don't link him to Matt Jones. I wonder if like, you know, the vertical, the broad jump, and the 40 – if really, at the end of the day, those are all kind of looked at in conjunction together to kind of determine like an athlete's explosiveness and oh you know, yeah, yeah, like a judgment yeah. on their effort level and just how much time and work they're going to put into being great, being the best at those particular events. Like if, if teams, if scouts are really looking at those instead of just really the cold hard numbers and what we all talk about. Yeah, well, the, I mean, sense? for one, yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, I think for one, like the 40 time is the one that's, it's kind of like a bench press. Like, you know, like it doesn't really matter, but because it's become the common lingo and like the, when I say scouts talk about it, it's almost like gushing about somebody's bench press. It's yeah. impressive, but it doesn't mean that they're strong on the field. It's just one thing. And because it's the common currency, it's easier to talk about. So they'll act, they know intellectually that the 40 time matters a lot less than the vertical, than the broad jump, than the three cone, all those things. And yet it's the classic meathead, like, what's your bench, bro? Like it just, that's <laughs> yeah. because it's, because we're dumb humans. There's that part of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then as far as all the other 
the other <laughs> the other physical tests like his okay heavier than Hassan Reddick, uh, bigger hands than DeAndre Hopkins, uh, vertical higher than Devonte Adams, broad jump longer than Hotel Beckham Jr. <laughs> He's freakishly good. I think the thing with Anthony Richardson is like here. I'm surprised nobody's saying it, but I think everybody's terrified of getting Bill Polian, which is what Bill Polian famously said. Hey, if Lamar Jackson doesn't work out as a quarterback, he could work, he could be a wide receiver. To which, like, it was kind of really discounting what he had already accomplished as a quarterback. Yeah. Anthony Richardson hasn't accomplished nearly what Lamar Jackson did as a quarterback. I would say with full confidence, yeah. If he does, this guy's a better athlete. And bigger than a lot of wide receivers or running backs. Play him wherever you want mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't work out at quarterback because he hasn't actually demonstrated that it can be a quarterback uh, or like be that kind of that quarterback. Just, that conversation, it, there's just a negative connotation there. There's you a, know? Well, there's an assumption. Like you have to th- – that's the problem, especially when it comes from an older dude. It's, it comes with – there's too much baggage attached to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's almost like – it's. It's dismissing the athletic black quarterback almost before he even has a chance. Yeah, good point. And, and with Lamar Jackson especially, I think it was di- – like, he was dismissing completely. A lot of people – the mistake they made with Lamar Jackson was they were dismissing the fact that he played in a pro-style Bobby Petrino offense. Like, it was, I think they – in their mind, they had it as like, oh, yeah, he's just this running quarterback that doesn't – isn't going to be able to – you know, it, it, there was a lot of um, – there was a lot more to it. But regardless uh, – Pool Hall Hustler, I would say Anthony Richardson on that one. I feel like he's got the best personality. Easy. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're in agreement. You know, Richardson checks the box on a lot of these. <laughs> he checks more of the intangible boxes than I thought and didn't want to give him credit for. Hey, uh, I, I found this article in the Chronicle. It was interesting. It, and it regards, in regards to the Texans last week getting fined over $26,000 for paying for Deshaun Watson to use the Houstonian Health Club during the pandemic. What exactly did Deshaun Watson get for $26,000? $26,000. Was it buy you at Fancy Health Club these days? Coming up next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne Pendergast is on vacation for one more day. I've got Sean Bajani in, which has been really nice, especially on uh, the first day that the brackets have been out because uh, he's been covering the University of Houston all year long, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but what I teased going into the break was it was one of the number one stories on the Chronicle this morning, Sean, because uh, people love lifestyles of the rich and famous type stuff. And uh, the Chronicle did a little piece, basically, I think explaining to people, when you, when you hear this story about the Texans being fined and docked a draft pick mm-hmm. for spending over $26,000 on services at the Houstonian during COVID for Deshaun Watson. I think a lot of people probably think $26,000 for a, a few months of health club services sounds kind of steep. Like that's uh, like tuition at a lot of places for a year, like just for a health club. What the hell am I getting for that? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a jaw dropper. If, you, if, he, if what they did was bought him a resident membership, that would be a one-time $25,000 initiation fee and then $433 a month for, uh, for just membership. So you paid a $25,000 initiation fee, then $433 a month. So if it was a few months, it might have been just for that. That gets you every single perk. That's uh, the Houstonians' resident member locker rooms, resident fitness center, gated resident parking. Additionally, there's no charge for group exercise classes or child care fees. So Deshaun didn't need use of any of that because they weren't probably doing the group exercises during COVID. Um, and he didn't have any kids that he was taking care of uh, that, that we know of. Like, and it's just, I don't know if any, like any of the people in his family had kids that they had to take care of his niece or his, niece or his nephew. If, I'll say this. If the Texans paid a $25,000 initiation fee for Deshaun Watson and didn't think that that could be a salary cap violation, then Jack Easterby really is the dumbest person on earth. Like, that really, like, that's any, that is a long term asset right there. Like, that, that initiation fee is something that, like, you pay it once and then you have the right to be, to pay your monthly membership fees for the rest of uh, the duration of the Usonian Health Club. It's a lifetime membership. Like, that's, that's very clearly, above and beyond what you would normally get for, like, this year's training expenses. Yeah. But I, I think they could have gotten away with it, and that's why I wonder. I think that part of it was they were probably paying the initiation fee. Well, but even if, even if they paid it and didn't report it, which they yeah. clearly didn't because of the cap violation and, the you know, the fine and uh, the fifth-round draft choice that they lost, like, why – you talk about going above and beyond. Why didn't Deshaun Watson just – you know, dole out the 26K, you know, himself and well, train yeah. elsewhere. Like, what, well, what was the big he, deal there? You wonder exactly, exactly how it came about, you know, because this is before he signed his huge contract. So was this Jack Easterby feeling like, hey, this is something, this is an olive branch or whatever, you know, something we'll do for Deshaun that shows good faith and that we care about him, all of that. Um, the other the other possible way that it con- could have gone, I like that first option just because, um, for one, 
Easterby might have been thinking like, yeah, we'll tie him here for life. You know, with this membership, he'll feel like a, a real part of the city of Houston. I think the more likely situation is that they paid the junior fee, which was for people between 21 and 34, you can get a young adult membership, which is a $7,500 initiation fee, and then $200 a month or $2,400 a year for a membership. That's not much. Which no entails. All for playing for the year. Um, that is, <laughs> you get all the perks of the associate membership where you get smaller discounts on food and spa experiences than the resident member, but you've got to pay your full initiation fee by your 35th birthday. So that would make sense. I don't, like Deshaun obviously didn't need the childcare or anything. And I bet they were offering some pretty good discounts during COVID. Um, I guess, uh, I, again, if they, if they paid for that full-time or the one-time initiation fee, that's like obviously a, a salary cap violation. Apart from that, if you're wondering what the Houstonian is, if, you guys have, if you're new to Houston, it's, uh, it's 27 acres, like right in the heart of Galleria. I mean, just north of it a little bit. But it is, it's like a little urban oasis. Yeah. It's kind of you go to the Houstonian and it feels like you're on vacation in the country somewhere uh, until, you, you know, until you step outside the gates of this little oasis. It's 27 acres uh, north of the Galleria area. It's, there's condominiums. There's a high-rise there. Uh, they just debuted $70 million worth of renovations. You get a fully equipped fitness floor with over 300 pieces of equipment. There's a full-size Olympic pool. There's a lot of really, really nice stuff. And they also have massage services. It's the exclusivity of it, but it's also like the privacy in which, you know, is pretty readily available to almost anybody. Like, I had the, um, uh, you know, fortune of being able to, like, go there years and years ago. Like, a buddy of mine had the hookup, and he hooked me up. Yeah. And I would go there, like, late at night, work out. I'd have the entire locker room to myself. I'd go there during a random day in the middle of the week. I'd get a massage. You know, go hang out in the dry sauna. Like, I had everything to myself. Like, yeah. me. And just what imagine. What time was that? What time would you get that at? Like, late at night? Like, what time is it empty? I always uh, figured, like, It was, man, I'd probably go, like, around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, something like that. It, it's a huge gym. Like, mm-hmm. it's a huge workout area. I mean, it's not as big. Like, it's, I don't know, square footage-wise. But as far as just having a lot of really nice equipment and facilities and everything. It's really big, a lot bigger than most country club type facilities. So yeah. you get kind of get the benefit of a country club feel, I guess. I just never, I've always felt like um, I was a member there for a while when I was a player and I just kind of felt like, uh, like an imposter. I don't know. I just never <laughs> feel like I fit in in country clubs. I feel like I, 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 I feel like Rodney Dangerfield, but without the confidence. I'm kind of with you. you know? Like you have that sense of like, I don't really belong here. And that was the beautiful part of about being able to like enjoy all of that and have yeah. nobody be around and yeah. so I, I was like that much like less awkward <laughs> right it feels like i don't like yeah like the fancy folk i don't know i'm just not i i did i'm not on the same wavelength or something so um well i was also just some young schmuck with like a part-time radio job and then i'm like <laughs> You know, in the same locker room working out next to like this guy that's probably worth a billion dollars. You know, it's just it's a it's a weird feeling. Well, it's it's also I mean, there are a lot of hotel guests there and people that are there for, um, you know, conventions and everything. I know Mario Williams had his no, not Mario Williams. Jerry Hughes had his wedding, I think, or his wedding reception at the Houstonian. And I just know that because I heard the story about Mario Williams at the time was his teammate for the Bills. And Mario Williams got Jerry Hughes like a really nice side by side, uh, like a ranger, uh, oh. 
done up as his present, like done up in Bill's colors. But Mario drove up to the reception in it. So I just, I, I, I gotta at some point when I see Mario again, I gotta ask him, like, did you actually, did you like drive? down the city streets in that ranger from your house because I, I he must not have he must have had a truck drop it off or something and then he drove in from the from the gate from the feeder road there or something he was driving uh, one of his uh lamborghinis i'm sure you remember that fetish he had yeah okay so you saw this report from mary Kay cabot from cleveland.com yeah that the browns have successfully redone deshaun watson's deal is that correct yeah, they've uh, taken his $46 million uh, base salary and, uh, let's see, Let me. I, the, Ian Rappaport has an updated version. Uh, the Browns have restructured Deshaun Watson's contract, creating nearly $36 million in cap space. That, according to a source, the cap conversion gives plenty of room for Cleveland to work in free agency. Pendergast just tweeted about 45 minutes ago on top of that, saying that his cap hit is likely going to be in the $60 million range from 24 to 26. 2024 yeah. to 2026. Wait, what was the last figure? Sixty million. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that's the cap hit. That's crazy. Well, that's what, and honestly, this is what the the big danger in trading for Deshaun Watson was always going to be that you were trading for the right to eventually become the 2020 Houston Texans, where you've got a quarterback on a huge deal, but then no draft picks in the foreseeable future. And a lot of, you know, and having to make hard decisions. Now, the Texans botched it because they were in a situation where they had to make hard decisions, but then they actually overpaid for some other guys like like David Johnson. Um, yeah. I think at that point, Whitney, I love Whitney Merciless, but at that point, they overpaid on the contract that they probably should have given him. Um, uh, the center is not even in the league anymore. Uh, like all those things, they just uh, they botched that part of it. The Browns are in a precarious situation now where they're going to have to manage this quarterback that they keep kicking money up into the future. And look, the Saints did that forever. They're paying for it now, but they're also really, really good at it. Like Mickey Loomis was really smart about it. I just can't go there yet with the Browns and say that, oh, yeah, they're going to be they'll, – they'll, 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 they'll learn how to sail these murky waters, no problem. It's yeah, but it also kind of comes down to, you know, the, the individuals that you're working with, right? I mean, the agencies, yeah. you know, that are representing these players, are they willing to kind of do these deals? Like, that almost, That has to work out so perfectly. Yeah. I'm sure Mulligan will do them a solid. I'm, I'm sure it'll be all no big deal. Yeah, I mean, no, maybe yeah, so. it's a, that's a big part of it. Like, I don't like, – it wouldn't surprise me at all if Deshaun somehow forces his way out within two years. Yeah, Pendergast made a great point. I mean, you know, that's a lot of money. That's a massive cap hit for a guy who's sporting a 36-5 QBR, you know, and it's, it's so a, yeah. true. But, you know, if, if you're going to credit guys like Mickey Loomis, that's why I bring that up. Like, I think it is something to follow. Maybe that's why we do follow, you know, agents, you know, the players' agents yeah. as closely as we do because relationships do matter. You know, the way that they conduct the business does matter. The relationship with the GMs, owners, the teams, all that, you know, how many solids are you going to possibly do for, you know, XYZ guy just so the ownership group can continue to, you know, go out and get talent or, you know, wheel and deal and stuff like that? Robert Woods signed with the Texans on Friday or at least agreed to terms on Friday. I I was skeptical. I know many of you are skeptical. Landry has been arguing for Robert Woods for a couple weeks already. I want to revisit some of the arguments he made uh, in favor of Robert Woods because I think, I think Landry swayed me over to his side. Coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.